the things I talk about is, is do you have trigger points in your business and then touch points? Trigger points are the things that make you take action. So for instance, someone um, sends you a LinkedIn request. That's a trigger point. And then a touch point might be a response back, right? And then in your business, you have another response or another, another reminder to touch base with them in a month. A trigger point might be a Zoom call or like in your case, a podcast, right? Okay, well then the touch point is when the podcast is released. And then maybe two months after that, hey, how did it go? These are all touch points. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. We're also excited to now be a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Today's program is titled Grow Your Relationships, Grow Your Business, Grow Your Life. Our guest is Matt Ward, and he is the guru on building networks and building word of mouth referral based businesses. Matt has been doing this for a couple of decades in his own business and now as a relationship and referral coach. And he helps businesses grow their business through the true magic but the process of relationship building. And we're gonna talk today about relationship building, how to network and truly be relational. You're gonna hear some different ideas on how to go about those networking conversations, how to show up at the networking events, the role of trust in this entire process. And he's gonna talk about his unique mindset when he goes into networking, which is what he calls chasing joy. We're gonna talk about the tools, the strategies, the tactics and the skills and all of it comes back to growing your business through the power and magic of relationships. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are excited to be back here today because we have a guest to talk about one of Craig and my favorite topics, which is building relationships. Oh, yeah. And the real thing about building, you know, it's funny, everybody on the planet talks about relationships. I would love to meet someone who just says, I don't care about relationships. You know, all these one over the years, people have these business cards that say I'm a relationship manager. <laughs> I'd love to have more honest card that says I'm all about the transaction. I want yeah, it right. and I'm getting out. I mean, let's just be honest. So we are great at talking relationships, but we got a guy that's living it today. We have Matt Ward with us. And he lived an interesting journey already. In, in 2002, he started working with business owners through his digital marketing agency, In Concert Web Solutions, helping improve their bottom line, get more clients, and grow their businesses. But then he sold his agency in 2018 so he could focus on helping businesses get more word-of-mouth referrals. He's written two books. The first one is More Word-of-Mouth Referrals, Lifelong Customers and Raving Fans. And he's got a book that just came out at the end of October this year called The High, the High Five Effect, How to Do Business with People Who Bring You Joy. And here's the thing. Matt is all about creating deeper and more meaningful connections that result in word-of-mouth referrals. He uses this in his own business. Matt is a speaker. He's a trainer. He speaks around the world. And he's a professional member of the National Speakers Association, as am I. And he also hosts a podcast called The Mass 
Business Podcast. So welcome, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff and Craig. I greatly appreciate it. So let's start off uh, with the, the question we, everybody needs to know, which is, how'd you get here, Matt? You're the yeah. digital marketing guy, and now you're the speaker, author. Yeah. Well, the story is really simple. First of all, um, I, you know, I didn't go to college, right? I actually went to college for one semester way back when, and I was majoring in hotel restaurant management, and I didn't do so well in that first semester. In fact, I failed my final, which was broccoli and cheese sauce class. So I realized this was not going to work for me. Um, in 2002, I started a part-time web company because I sort of fell into this thing. Um, and I was doing a part-time. Then I got laid off from a, a software testing job. And in 2005, I took it full-time, hired my first employee. And I started networking. And I got involved in networking and uh, met a number of people. And in that process, I, I met this guy, Mark who was in a networking group who worked for a printer. And eventually he left that printing company. And uh, I hired him six months later, became my GM. And in 2018, I sold him my company for a million dollars. Right. Well, that's so I met a guy in a networking group and sold him a business for a million bucks. All right. Right. Now, the long and the short of that is, is I built a relationship over time. Obviously, I hired the guy. I built relationship. I had trust, right, which yeah. takes a long time to build. And so when I sold him that, the business, which by the way, I positioned the business to sell it from day one. I never wanted to be in the web business the rest of my life. That's not why I did it. Um, and so I started wanting to impact people more and, and have them build a business that would be more rewarding. And I just felt like so many small business owners were struggling. I was struggling, right? Because I didn't, I, I didn't have a degree. I didn't have an MBA or anything like that. I, I, it was all self-taught, a lot of self-help books, a lot of leadership books and, and a lot of podcasts, right? Listening to. And, um, and so then I just started speaking 2018 and I got bit by the bug because way back in 2011, I went to a leadership breakfast that one of my clients had and they had a speaker by the name of Eric Wall. And Eric was a motivational speaker and he paints on stage or plays music. It's like a rock <laughs> show. It's really awesome. Sounds like a friend and, of mine. Uh, I befriended Eric and we became friends and he taught me the business through texting and email. And then I, I, I literally would go to some of his events when they were local and just watch what he was doing. And then I just really studied it. And then in 2018, when I sold the company, I just immersed myself. I got a lot of on platform training experience and then um, just doubled down. I joined NSA 2019. I did 35 gigs around the country. And uh, then we hit this thing called the pandemic. And that kind of took the wind out of my speaking sales, so to speak, but I'm uh, still doing coaching and things like that. And now I'm just helping people build better relationships. So Matt, let's go back to, I want to touch all of that, but let's go back to one of the words you used right in the beginning. You said networking and Craig and I have our own respective views of that. I think that word is just has lost its way, but talk about, what you perceive, the, how the world perceives networking and how you see it different. So I find that the world perceives networking as a place you walk into a room and you sell somebody your stuff. I call it right. the pitch slap. <laughs> the pitch slap? Yeah. The pitch. <laughs> yeah. The worst thing that can happen is you walk into a room and there's people handing out business cards like it's Pez dispenser candy, right? Yes. You don't want to be that person. No. You're not there this is not baseball cards. You're not collecting business cards. 
right? That's not what this is about. Networking events, whether they're on Zoom or in person in a room, are meant to create an opportunity to learn who's in the room so that you can follow up later. So good. Absolutely. And every That's once in a really while, you big. actually build a relationship right there in the room. So, yeah, but, but then, of course, so here's the problem with, with that. So I, we want to build a relationship in the room, and you're right, Craig, that it can go to that level, right? The challenge is, is that it can never be deep enough to make people believe that it's so true. So what, what I like to do is really? tell people, hey, listen, once, once you catch yourself in a very deep conversation in a networking event, once you realize in the moment that you're in that, you need, to, you need to cut it off. And you need to say to the person, hey, we're having a really great conversation. We should continue this at another time. Do you want to get coffee? To, and then you me, need to keep working the, the goals, room. Though, doesn't it, Matt? Because if you're, if you're there and you're having a conversation, let's, let's just say you're getting into a deep conversation because the other person has some needs and you're there to serve them, then I think that's probably fairly appropriate. If, if you're there to meet as many people as you possibly can, or to meet a lot of people, you know, enough people that you can at least have that next meeting with, then I could see how, you know, you would want to cut that short and keep moving. I am never there to serve someone's needs. Interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm never there for that. Here's the problem. These networking events are an hour long. Call it an hour long. Obviously, they're all different, right? Um, they're an hour long. There's 100 people in the room. What my goal here is, is to find some people, by the way, I'm not looking for customers in this room at all. That's why I'm not there to serve a need. I am looking for partners. So when I was at the web company, okay. the number one referral source for us was IT professionals, computer repair people, right? Sure. And so anytime I was in a room I, and they say, Hey, how can I help you? Who are you looking for? I'm looking for an IT guy. You know, an IT guy. I'm looking for a referral source, not a client in that room. Because if I'm going to go to the well, I'm going to go where the well is, where the water's running, right? That makes sense. Clients don't refer on a consistent basis. And so the problem is they don't want to share you, but they don't want to tell you that subconsciously, right? They don't want to share you. They want you available when they need you, <laughs> right? So that's why people think they refer, but they don't actually refer because no one's doing the math. They're not tracking this stuff. And so they think they refer because they got a great referral from a client one time. Well, Matt, it's interesting. You talked about um, the, the mindset and I do think it's so important. And one of your mindset differences say you're not there to meet customers. You're there to meet referral sources or partners. And, you know, I heard a number of years ago and I've shared it over the, probably the decades now that in a room of a hundred people, if you're lucky, there's one person who wants and needs what you have today. Sure. That's it. So the odds are stacked against you. And so instead of trying to find that one, as you said, I'm trying to build that relationship with people who can help me grow my business. And I don't grow my business through customers. I grow my business through partners. That's what I'm hearing one of your mindsets. Is. That's right. And here's why. Because customers are not in a position to refer you on a regular basis. They're not talking to people about what you do, right? So if I'm a web designer and there's a customer in the room that needs a website, when's the next time they're going to talk to another small business owner about website designers? 
They're not, right? But who is those IT companies, right? Business coaches, right? Marketing people, graphic designers. So I'm surrounding myself with those people, right? And yes, I'm looking for those people in the room. But funny enough, there may not be a lot of those people in the room. But every single person in that room knows one of those five partners I just mentioned. So the question is, do you know a graphic designer? Do you know an IT person? Do you know a marketing person? You know, you can give me one or two names if I ask you those questions. And here's the funny, funny thing about that. So when you bring this up to people, first of all, this is why I say you should never, ever, 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 ever ask for referrals because you're putting the person you're asking in a very difficult position. You're going to get one or two responses. Oh yeah. You know what? I asked Jeff for a referral. Hey Jeff, do you know anybody needs a referral coach? Oh yeah. You know what, Matt? This guy, Craig, I know. And Craig has no idea it's coming. It's a lead at best. It's not a referral. He's not ready, willing, and able to buy. Right. That's the definition of a referral in my book. So, so that's option one. Option two is, you know what, Matt? Um, that's a great question. I think I know a few people. Let me get back to you. And then you know what I hear? Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. Yeah. Right? Because I put Jeff in an uncomfortable situation. Here's why. As a, as a human race, as a people, we love to buy, a.k.a. Amazon. Yep. But we hate, absolutely despise being sold to, a.k.a. your car warranty. Right? So. We don't like it when people call us on our cell phones for cold calls, what we call spammers, right? Right. So that's why you don't ask for referrals. Instead, you ask for introductions to referral sources. And when I say to you, hey, Jeff, do you know someone that does this, this, or this? Um, Because I work best with those people. My clients need their service and their clients need my service. You're immediately going to be like, oh, he's not going to sell them anything. Yes. Let me open up my contact database to Matt and make a connection. Now, Jeff is the connector, looks like the hero, right? To both parties, he's connecting great people together. And he knows I'm not going to sell anybody anything. And that is the game changer. Then you build a relationship from there. Well, it's interesting that you shifted to introductions because that's what was in my head. That is a, I stopped asking for referrals years ago. And so typically, whether it's a one-on-one in person or virtually, somewhere in that conversation, I'm going to ask them first, who do you want to meet? Not who's a good referral. I'm going to learn that through my questions. Mm -hmm. I say, who do you want to meet? And I will be looking for that. I may have those people already. And then, of course, they're going to, because we're building a relationship, they're going to ask me, who do you want to meet? And I'm going to say, I would love an introduction to people like this and they're not potential clients. Mm-hmm. I, here's what I started saying like six years ago. I said, mm-hmm. I want to meet interesting people doing interesting things. And they go, what mm-hmm. does that mean? I said, I don't know. You know, what's interesting and what's <laughs> happened in my life. I meet interesting people. Mm-hmm. And, and I've also, I also take the pressure off them. I will say to them, look, I'm pretty sure no one in the last month has said, Hey, I'm looking for a coach. They right. go, yeah, they have it. I go, that's why we're not going to talk about it. So I tell them, look, we're not here to talk about that. So I love that shift. And I think it's such a simple one. But I, I, I guess the, there's the question in here, Matt, is there's some simple shifts. Why are we not seeing movement quick enough in that direction? Um, 
because trust takes a long time, right? And so this is simple to understand, but not easy to execute. This takes a systematic approach and process to building relationships, reaching out to people, um, not putting yourself first, right? And that all takes time. Referrals don't come overnight. You start a new business, there's very little you can do to jumpstart referrals. There's a couple sort of hacks, but those hacks won't, they're not sustainable, right? They'll help you get some things jumpstarted um, for that quick fast food effect, so to speak, but they're not sustainable long-term. And so what happens is people pull back. They, they, they change the way they're doing things because they get busy. Right. And so they're like, Oh, I'm going to do less networking now because I have to work the work that I sold. Well, the problem with that is, is that the work you do now pays off in six months from a networking and referral standpoint. At that point, I think one of the challenges we've, I've heard, I've experienced it. Lots of people tell me about it is there's a disconnect where with let's call them sales managers, management in this role where they're saying we're a relational business. We want you to be a relational, but the conversations are all transactional. Yeah. They're lying. Yeah. What, yeah, they are. What deal did you get? And a lot of people have said, they tell me to be relational, but they'll say, you got to stop all this meeting referral sources. It's not fast enough. (laughs) Yeah, You got to go find customers and clients. It's because they're numbers driven and not coming from the top. And so what I always tell people who are say, say to somebody, I meet a lot of people who are in life insurance or financial services and they work for someone. They're not, I mean, they're kind of a 1099 ish person or whatever, but basically they work for someone, they report to someone and they have numbers to me. And so I tell them, look, when you start in this role, you have to do everything your boss tells you to do for two years from, from eight to five. And then for that same two years, you do everything I tell you to do after hours and on weekends. And after two years, you'll never have to do another thing your boss tells you to do. Right. Cause what I'm going to do is focus on the relationship side, on the referral source side, and it's going to take time to build that. And we're going to be doing a lot of handwritten cards, right? We're going to be doing a lot of texting. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of personalized video emails, things like that. Things that are th- things that make, uh, make your contact feel appreciated. Those yeah, are the things we're going to do. Out. Well, so that's the whole point of this, Craig, and you nailed it right on the head. If you're going to do marketing and advertising, Google ads or anything else, SEO website, the whole point of doing that, any marketer will tell you is to be top of mind. In the industry, they call it TOMA, top of mind awareness. You want to be at the top of the list when someone thinks of the service you provide. That's why you do those things. I would argue if you care about other people, you, you will have TOMA and you will will get the business before other people. I put it simply like this, guys. How do you outrun a bear? You don't, Jeff. You outrun Craig. Right. (laughs) Right. You outrun your friend, right? Right. And in business, all you have to do is outrun your competition and be one step ahead. So if you're sending more cards, one more card than the other person, you're touching somebody more frequently than the other vendor is, you're going to get those referrals. Okay. And so what, what would you say on the, you know, as I'm networking in just the same way, you know, we're, we're looking at how can we be of assistance? So we're going to ask, you know, how can I help? What's one thing that I can do to, to help you right now? 
And that's one of the things that we may ask while we're networking. <clears throat> what do you see in reciprocity? What is it that causes it? What, what is it that short circuits it? And why is it that it seems like, I, I would say, eight times out of 10, the other person does not reciprocate? Yeah. <clears throat> so first of all, let me disclose, I am by no means a reciprocity expert. There are experts on that in the world. However, what I have seen is, is you're, you're right that 70, 80% aren't reciprocating. However, I believe it's closer to 20% in the long term. So here's the deal. You have to get, Keith Ferrazzi wrote it in his book, Never Eat Alone. This is what changed the game for me. Yep. You have to give without the expectation of getting anything in return. Absolutely. Now, that is incredibly, incredibly difficult, right? And, that's the and what I game. tell people all the time, it's the long game. And you will constantly be thinking, but wait, when's my turn? And you know yep. what? As an expert in this world, I think that too. <clears throat> Here's the catch. You just don't act on it. You just don't yeah. act on it. Now, there's nothing wrong with thinking it. And those thoughts will increasingly get longer between each thought, right? When you continue to care about other people, continue to deliver, continue to give, what happens is eventually that person you're giving to, they come around. But it takes a long time sometimes, depending on their personality and who they are. Because here's the big thing, Craig. They don't get it. They're like, wait, I just, I just had a conversation with this guy, Jeff. And he is like, I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop. And then eventually after three things, he then asked me to quote my life insurance policy. Right. And so they're so used to that sort of shark like approach where it's all just fake, fake, fake until the sales pitch that they're waiting for the shoe to drop from you. And that's why it feels like they're not reciprocating. Interesting. That's a good ex explanation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good point. So set it up for like a five to one. You're going to have to touch them five times and care about them and, and relate to them and give to them five times before they give you one. Because it's that trust level that they're building up. They, they, these people have been burned so much. Yeah. It's, I mean, think about it. LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn, connect, bitch. Connect, pitch, connect. Oh, are you kidding me? Like, that's where the pitch slap comes from. And well, I suspect it's not unusual with your numbers, Craig. You're saying 80% of the time, if we look at, you know, Pareto's principle, the 80-20, that's yeah. not surprising. And I think also one thing that I've talked to people about and I, I walk it myself is we need to be, dis I think we need to be discerning earlier. I can usually tell in the first conversation if this is someone who gets it. Yeah, that's a good point. Are they asking questions or all they doing is telling me about their business? When <laughs> right. I ask them a question about them and they start telling me about their business, look, it may be unfair and I know it's programming, but I also look at it and say, I'm looking to connect with the right people yeah. that connect with me who have similar values. I'm not here to convert folks. Yeah, it's great. That's point. not my mission. As, yeah, there's uh, nothing worse network. than saying to a realtor, Hey, what, what do you love for a hobby? You know, I really love helping people sell their house. I know. Oh, stick a fork in my eye. I'm, and what makes you different? Oh, my customer service. Oh, enough of that already. 
That doesn't, you're not allowed to define that the thing that makes you different is your own customer service. That's the customer's right to define that. Right. right? right. And it's not, it's not yours. And, and so like, it's just, it's, it's so painful. And so here's what I tell people, look, at the end of the day, if you care about other people to get referrals, they'll see through that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you're talking about, Jeff, is you can kind of sniff it out. And yeah. so they'll be like, hey, what's going on? It's kind of the shark with the blood in the water kind of thing, right? If you care about people solely because you care about people and you want them to be successful, yeah, then this works perfectly. Hmm. Well, that gets to that mindset. And you, you talked about things might go through your mind, but not acting on it. And I think that's really important for people to hear. And you touched on it earlier. I just want to come back to it. There's a, there's a challenge here. And when I've talked to people about relationships, I'll say, look, the reality is ultimately you do want something. Or we wouldn't even be talking, be doing it. Now you might say, I just want to have friends, but yes, that's true. But we know there's some end game for us. Sure. I said, so how do you take what you want out of the equation? I said, you can't because you still want something. So just I think the key is to be aware of it and be mm-hmm. honest about it and then say, I'm going to choose to act differently, but I'm not going to act. I'm going to show up authentically knowing there's this thing I want, but I'm going to grab it and put it to the side because otherwise it will drive the change. Well, and when you, when you chase joy, shameless plug for my second book, when you chase joy, that's the thing I want. So yeah. to me, to me, so I have this thing about money. I, I came from nothing, right? I was the youngest of three boys, the first to graduate high school and the only one not to go to prison, right? So I grew up in poverty, went to a private tuition-free boarding school, which most people have no idea even exists. It's in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And it was founded by the guy that created the chocolate bar, right? They have no idea that when they buy Hershey's chocolate, it supports the kids and the mission of the school, right? Hmm. And so the, the most interesting thing about this is that I live every day to just not go back. Hmm. I don't want to go backwards, right? I don't want to ever be poor again. I don't need to be rich. I don't need to have millions. I, that doesn't matter to me. The most important thing to me right now at 48 years old is freedom. I define that by doing what I want, when I want, where I want, and how I want. And so I'm very choosy with the clients that I bring on. If they require a regular weekly meeting, they're not my client, right? I'm happy to re- rebook a call when I'm on a call with them for next week because I know what's going on. But if they come on board and, and they want like referral coaching every Monday at 10 a.m., not going to happen. Not, you're not my client, right? Um, because I don't feel comfortable blocking my calendar six months out for, for these, you know, I just, that's my thing is that's the freedom thing. For me, I chase joy every single day. And that comes in the form of people I surround myself with. Yeah, and totally. so, yes, I do want something, Jeff. But for me, it's not money. It's not even a sale. It's happiness. It's joy. And I got into that point now. So let's talk about the, the-, the other side. And that is that when we're, when we're in that networking environment, <clears throat> We have a goal of of some sort, whether it's seeking joy, whether it's seeking to be of service, whether it's meeting interesting people. And as we get into there, you know, to your point, both of you, you're talking about we reserve that 
that sense of, I need to get something out of this. And we just put that off to the side. Do we ever mention that? Or is it only coming out of our actions? In other words, uh, mention do we, do we what? set up that, you know, this is the way I work? Sure. Versus just acting out and letting, letting them see what happens over time. Yeah, no, dude, this is, this is great. I love this question. Within the first 30 seconds, I will more than hap- happily talk about how I'm not there to make a sale. I'm there to make friends. I'm there to make, surround myself with awesome people, like the whole Jim Rohn effect, right? Mm-hmm. I'm happy to have that conversation and talk about it for 45 minutes. <laughs> and yet earlier in the podcast, I told you, if we get deep into a conversation, we should break it off. <laughs> but there's some times where I'll just keep it going because, and I don't even know if it goes, now we've all been there where we go to a networking event and then we leave and we're like, oh, that sucked. Yeah. I got nothing <laughs> yes. out of that. Right. I'm, here, I'm there, right? I'm there with you on this thing. That's at the end of the day though, that is part of the process. It is to some extent a numbers game. Because if we're doing the 80-20 Pareto's principle thing, we got to meet 100 people to find 20 quality people that we are going to connect. We're not going to connect with everybody. Sure. Um, and there's levels that we connect with. But to your question, do we disclose it? I will because mine has nothing to do with a sale. Right. Mine is chasing joy. And so when someone hears that, they're like, oh, that's cool. That's intriguing. Let's talk about that. Right. But if you have to say, well, yeah, you know, I got a Q4 goal, you know, (laughs) that's going to be a little bit more awkward. Um, Well, you know, I guess the other side of that is when when you're setting it up and saying this is the way I operate, you know, I'm I'm looking to help people. I'm a connector. I have a network and I'm not afraid to use it. I find that connecting with great people is, is something that brings me joy. At the same time, I also have a business. Um, if at some point. But they the know that. Right. Well, yeah. So, so stop it right there yeah, at okay. the, I love to be the connector piece. Uh-huh. They know you have a business. And so this is the problem too, with like handwritten cards. It's the exact same thing. But a lot of people will put their own business card in a handwritten card. And I said, uh-huh. don't do that. Interesting. Because the minute you do that, it makes it about you. Yeah. Good point. So when you're explaining that in the networking event, this is how you operate. And this is who you want to be is you want to be the connector. You're happy to open up your network to people. I love that line. That's so, so great, Craig. And just close it right there. And then just, they know your business because you wouldn't be there if you weren't. So they recognize that and helping yeah. them is going to show your brand and your authenticity through, through and through, and then yeah. they're going to come back around. And I think that's, you know, that's the way that Jeff and I have built our relationships and our, our networks. And I, I found, I mean, I haven't been networking in a long time, not just because of COVID, but because I've totally changed my business to be online. And mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't network in the same way that I used to but I still could reach out to my network that I haven't talked to in years and they would respond because we built a relationship. Right. And you got to keep that network warm, right? That's a good point. And so that's one of the things I talk about is, right. So one of the things I talk about is 
is do you have trigger points in your business and then touch points? Trigger points are the things that make you take action. So for instance, someone um, sends you a LinkedIn request. That's a trigger point. And then a touch point might be a response back, right? And then in your business, you have another response or another, another reminder to touch base with them in a month. A trigger point might be a Zoom call or like in your case, a podcast, right? Okay, well, then the touch point is when the podcast is released. And then maybe two months after that, hey, how did it go? These are all touch points. And so you want to keep your network warm all the time and be touching folks on a quarterly basis, usually at a minimum. I mean, there are times where I go six months to 12 months without, you know, communicating with somebody. Um, every relationship is different. And so, so let's, you let's have talk to about that real gauge quick. that. Let's, let's talk about the, um, the, the mechanism for that. So for example, there's some really good CRMs out there where you can put people in buckets and say, I have A's, B's, and C's. A's I want to stay in touch with once a week, once a month. B's I want to stay in touch with once a quarter. C's once a, once a year. D's, you know, if I get around to it. Uh, do you look at it that way? Do you say, okay, these people are the ones that um, either I want to, you know, I want to stay in touch with more often for some reason. How do you do that? I used to do it that way. Now they just all blur together and their <laughs> names, their okay. people. And yeah. I say, oh, there's Jeff, there's Craig, right? Um, funny enough is that, is that because I have so many contacts, um, I, I end up reaching out to the people who reach out to me. Right. Oh, and so it's point. interesting because I always want the relationship, but not everybody wants the relationship. And so the people that reach out to me shows me that they want the relationship. And that's a great point. They also are the ones that end up getting the referrals from me. Right. right? So I do real estate investing. Right. I, I have mul multiple rental properties. And so the mortgage people I use are the people that stay in touch with me when I'm not in the process of buying another house. Right. And so the, the real realtors are, are the ones I go to and gravitate to when, in fact, you know, I'm ready to buy another house or looking for another house. But if they're not staying in touch with me in the times where I'm not doing that and we lose touch, then they're not out running the bear. Somebody else is out running them. Right. Yeah. And so. It's so you just have to, you know, I don't, I, I don't put, I understand the people that put people in buckets because it helps them prioritize. I use, um, not, not the biggest fan of HubSpot, but I am for a couple of reasons. One, it's free. Two, it does email logging and tracking. So you can see the full history in there again for free. Three, it has rem, um, task manager. So you can set up a task to uh, like a follow-up task. And it has reminders associated with that. All of that is free. And so the fact that you can use a tool like that and then go into the system and see all your tasks that are due, which are basically follow-ups to reach out to people. That's, that's how I do it. Now, yes, I can put them in different buckets and categories, but all I really do is just go, oh, what am I feeling today? Okay, you know what? Follow up with Jeff in three months. Reminder. Now, here's the funny thing. I get to the three-month interval. The reminder comes up, the task is due. I look at the history. Oh, we just emailed two weeks ago. 
you know what, yeah. let me just move this one out. And see, so that's right. where CRM tools like Contactually or um, mm -hmm. Insightly, they actually manage that automatically for you. So you say, okay, I want to stay in touch with this person every, every three months. And if you have a, a connection in there, it knows that and it's going to push it out. And it'll just remind you, hey, it's been three months or you know, two and a half months since you've talked to that person. And so it, it helps somebody, you know, for me, that seems like something that, okay, I need the help to remind me because I have a big network, because I do actually care about people, but not mm -hmm. everybody's going to get the same, same touch. So I, I hear what you're saying, mm -hmm. Matt. I, I think it makes tons of sense that the people who actually show that they want to have a relationship, those would be the people that you would want to spend time with. That makes total sense. Well, and they get priority, right? right. It doesn't Absolutely. mean that others don't, um, but they get priority. And here's one point about CRMs I want to make. I am often asked, what's the best CRM to use? And my answer is very simple. The one that you will actually use. <laughs> right, exactly. So Matt, I, I want to go back to something you said, and I don't, I want to highlight it for our listeners because I don't know if it was clear how important it is to have your own why for this. Uh, you know, you talked about you're chasing joy. Mm -hmm. uh, Craig talked about being the connector. I know for me, a shift, a shift, and these are all about shifts in my mind. A shift I made is I network to learn because I'm very curious. I'm going to learn about people. I'm going to learn about their business. I'm going to learn about their life. And it enriches my life. So I'm going to have conversations where I learn something and my life's enriched because I had this conversation with someone. That's my why. And because of that, and it was a, I feel like it was a process for me where it was transaction minded, but I want to be relational. Then I did that put aside, as I said earlier, but then I found a different why. So now when I interact with people, they're going to experience me relationally because I'm just trying to enrich my life through this conversation. Jeff, have you ever talked to your Uber driver about this type of stuff? Like, what all, do you do? Where, yeah. All the time. Okay. Have you ever all been an Uber driver? No. You should do it. <laughs> really? One of the most <laughs> rewarding things instead. you could ever do. By the, by the way, I'm an Uber driver. I'm like a whatever approved Uber driver. I drive a pickup truck. So I don't do it for the money because if I did, I, I wouldn't drive a pickup truck. I drive it for the interaction for the people. Interesting. You meet amazing people that way. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Welcome back. The reason I bring it up is because it, it serves the point that you were talking about, about the why, Jeff. It goes back to that, which is just all about understanding. Why do you do what you do? Are you really a people person? Um, are you really curious? Are you always asking questions of other people? Yes. Um, sometimes networking events aren't for people because they're not curious. <laughs> Depends on the event for sure. So Jeff, do you right. use Clubhouse the, in the same way that Matt uses um, the Uber? You mean Lunch Club? Lunch Club, yeah. Yeah, Lunch Club, absolutely. That's been a real gift to me during COVID because it was a way to connect with people. Um, in fact, I was really intentional with Lunch Club 
you list what you're looking for. And one uh -huh. of the options is business development. I never chose that one. It said uh -huh. something like interesting people. That was one of the boxes. I clicked that yeah. one. So I met people doing all sorts of different things and had great conversations. I probably had about a hundred of those. And I would say if I, if I did a hundred, there's one, only one that I got done and said, yeah, it's all right if I never talk to them again. <laughs> and there was one other one that was sort of in between. The rest were, I would have been loved to talk to them again. Many yeah. of them I have. Many of them have become real true friendships. And I think it's because, and to your point, Matt, I am curious and yeah. I've nurtured that curiosity. And, you know, you said care. And my formula would be if you if genuinely care and you're curious, you're going to build incredible relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we've heard, I'm sure you've heard, and the, the public has heard time and time again, is that people do business with who they know, like, and trust. And I actually yeah, don't I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't agree with that statement. I, I, I believe that people do business with who they know, like, trust, and care about. Because we can know you, but not even care about you. And we're not going to refer you. We can trust you and not refer you. The other thing is they have you know? to understand what it is that you do so that they can refer you. Because oftentimes we have such a convoluted way of talking about what we do that nobody can actually refer us. Oh Lord, that is the most craziest thing ever. Like that's some of the coaching I actually do with people one-on-one. -on -one. I'm like, what are you, what is that 30 seconds elevator pitch you just gave? Like yeah. that makes no sense. So I always try and get people to do a 30 second elevator pitch, a, a 60 second commercial, whatever you want to call it in networking to end on an inquisitive point. Oh yeah. Right. That makes somebody say, wait a second, tell me more about that. Yep. Right. You wanna, and so you when the, I was in the, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you want the answer, you know, you want them to say, tell me more or how do you do that? Exactly. That's the, how you do that is what you're looking for. Right. So when I was with the web company, we would say, um, yeah. I mean, somebody says, what do you do? I would say, well, uh, my company is in concert web solutions. We build effective websites. Those are ones that actually work. Right. So now you're waiting for, wait, well, okay. Right. What's next? Um, so I was trying to help people craft those mess, the, the messaging in a way, like I was helping one business coach, um, kind of, craft a message that was like, I help businesses um, increase their performance. Um, it, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, it was around the idea of specifically helping them improve their time management by adding five hours back to their time, to their calendar each and every week. Wow. So when someone says I can add five hours back to your calendar every week, you're going to say, wait a second. <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah, that's a big right? promise. Yeah, and so, um, and then there was another, there was another person I worked with, Marina, and um, and she uh, she she's a bookkeeper and uh, and an accountant type person, and so she said, um, she said I can increase your profit in your company in under forty eight hours. And all she needs is a P and L and she can show you how to increase the profit in your company in under 48 hours. 
What are you thinking, Jeff? Yeah, you're like, well, I, I need I, to meet actually, her. <laughs> well, actually, Matt, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so this is the contrarian in me. Mm-hmm. I've been saying for a number, I've been telling people for years to not have an elevator pitch. Because here's why. The elevator pitch to me is often designed to get the attention of the person I'm talking to as a potential customer or client. And they're geared that way. And too often they're so they're so they're written up and they're all fancy. The person can't really own it. Like I have told people, if I come on and start asking people questions, I don't need an elevator pitch because through my curiosity, they're really interested because the 30 second pitch is to, is a hook, right? To get their Well, attention. except that Jeff, they absolutely need to know what you do. So if I said, great, Jeff, we've been talking here five minutes. You're asking me all these questions. What do you do? Exactly. But that's my point, Matt. When and then they what, do, what's your answer to that, Jeff? Changes all the time. Because they're already interested in knowing more before they ask the question. I can guarantee you that 100% of the time, unless they are transactional. And then I'll change it. Sometimes I say one where I say, well, one thing I do is I help. I say, this is a typical one. Business owners always think they're running a hundred yard dash and that's what they train for. But the reality is they're running an 800 yard dash, a 800 yard high hurdle. And they keep wondering why they keep getting tripped up. And the problem is they prepared for the wrong race and they are the ones creating the hurdle. So I help them identify and lower the hurdle so they can actually get where they want to go. That's pretty good, Jeff. I like that. That's, that's one I use. Yeah. And then they'll say, well, what, are, what exactly are you? I said, oh, I do that as a coach, as a facilitator, as a trainer. But my point is, I am rarely asked that first. If I am, I'll say something like that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't expect with the way we've talked today, I wouldn't expect that that would come out early for, for you. But I would think at some point, uh, they're going to ask that question for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's one other place where you do use that, that pitch. And that is when you are, you know, when everybody in a group is giving their 30 second stand up yeah. and then you go an organized networking group. Network. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and so that. In, that, in that case, you know, do you start with something more relational? Do you ask a question? You know, how do you do that, Jeff? Uh, depends upon the group. If it's a group I'm with regularly, I don't feel the need to be memorable because yeah. I'm already memorable because I'm part of the group. They've, I have relationships with them. If it's in a place where I don't know anybody, I'm going to do something provocative. <laughs> like for example, something popped the other day. I did it. I had not thought about it before. They were doing a 30 second commercial It's near the end of the year. I stood up and said, um, goals don't matter. And just paused. <laughs> and I saw all these faces and I said, the reality is goals don't matter. And most of you say you're goal driven, but your goals don't matter. What matters are the actions you actually put in place towards those goals. And people set goals and they rarely achieve them because they don't focus on the actions. And I help people get clear on what the actions are to get where they want to go and help them get there. But I just started off with something provocative and it was like several people went, what? So I tend to be provocative, but I'm authentically provocative. And I think that's a big piece in this. In networking, I meet people who are trying to be provocative, but it's not, it sounds like a, a, it sounds like a stand-up comedian who should not be a comedian. Right. That's always a bad (laughs) fail. That's, that's always never good. Did you get any referrals from that group that you were at? I got four people that wanted to have coffee and learn more. Yeah. Good. Now, 
funny enough, in these standardized networking groups, um, most people who are members of these groups feel like they're being sold to. And the number one reason why is the word you. So when an individual gives their commercial, they use the word you a lot. Huh. So that right. And yeah. And so the change on that, the vernacular change is, you know, right. So goals don't matter. I mean, the people, you know, think that they matter, but um, the people, you know, are failing to act on those anyway. And so really it's the action of the people, you know, hmm. right. And so when, when you're using the, the, that small shift, now you're talking about introduction again, right? Because again, we go mm, to these groups, yeah. not to meet the people in the group. We should not right. be going to these groups to meet the people in the group. We should go, go to these groups to meet the people in the group because they have 250 people they know they can introduce us to who yeah. might buy you our product or service. Yeah. And that's in mind. Yeah. You want to meet connectors. And again, they don't want to get sold to, right? Because they've had every network marketing person come through that group who's got Amway or the telephone thing or the health and wellness product or the beauty product or whatever, the debt relief thing. And so they've heard it all. They've been sold it all, or at least felt like that. So we want to just get, again, access to the people and also too asking for those partners, right? So I help people take more action, you know? So if you know a person in this position, that would be great. But also, you know, do you know a referral source, right? Those are, those are common, I think, questions that, that make networking groups more beneficial. Well, Matt, I want to ask you a question. Something you said earlier, you're talking about something about needing to meet a lot of people and time. And that's been my experience. And, and I shifted something when I moved to Tampa, I moved to Tampa just over two years ago. And I knew, well, I thought I literally knew no one here. Uh -huh. I, uh, I, and then once I got here, I remembered I knew one person here. So I was starting from scratch and I had a really good network in Cleveland, Ohio, where I had lived and networked for 35 years. I said, I don't want to take 35 years to build a network. So how do I do that? And what I came up with is a concept. I call it the 10 by 10 that I'm going to meet 10 really quality people and build a relationship with those 10. And over a relatively short time, I was confident they would introduce me to 10 pretty amazing people. Why? Because if I picked the right 10, and I don't pick ahead of time, but if I build that relationship, and so it's a multiplier effect. And what was really fascinating in the process, the first meeting I had with that mindset, a woman named Donna, I actually told her this. I said to her, I'm, this is my mission in Tampa, is to do it this way by mailing great people like you. And she looked at me and said, well, Jeff, I, I, uh, I, I can't introduce you to 10 people today. I said, I'm not asking you to. And that was the key. I said, I'm really not asking to. I just, this is just letting you know what my thought process is. Cause I've got to build a relationship with you. I've got to build trust. We sat and talked for an hour and she starts taking notes. And at the end she says, Jeff, this is amazing. I said, what Donna? She said, I just wrote down nine names. And it was fascinating how I planted the seed. It wasn't a strategy. It kind of is now, but just let them to know that I'm seeing this as a relationship. And I think, I mean, the key here is I think we all have to be authentic. People pick up bullshit. Yeah. The bullshit meters are really high and you cannot play this game. It's got to be genuine. 
but it's pretty fascinating how I started meeting people here, not one by, I mean, I met them one by one, but there's a multiplier effect on relationships that we don't get with networking. And I think that 10 by 10 is an interesting approach. It's not something I've heard of before, but it certainly is a great strategy. Like if you can focus in on just those 10 people and even, even mention it just like you did to Donna and be authentic about it. I'm not asking you to, I'm, my hope is that over the next five years, you might introduce me to 10 people. <laughs> and these aren't 10 people I want to sell anything to. These are just 10 people you think I need to know. Yeah. Then they're going to come out with nine in the, in the call. Like you did. <laughs> right. yeah. the most effective real estate agents that I've talked to um, is, is this one particular company in Raleigh that the, they've taken like the Buffini method and, and enhanced it. And they really focus on statistics and they write the cards and they do, you know, Thanksgiving pies and all sorts of different things. Anyway, these folks will do 50 to hundred homes a year. If they're not doing 50, they're no longer with that organization. Now, when you think about real estate sales, you think somebody's kind of kicking it if they're doing 15 to 20. These folks are doing 50 minimum, 100 on the, on the higher end. And the way that they do that is building those relationships like we're talking about here. But it's like uh, Jed told me, 75 people is all I need. You give me 75 people who give me connections, I don't need anybody else. He said, I'm going to take care of those 75 people and they're going to refer business and all my goals are going to be met and I'm going to kick butt. So, Craig, one of the biggest challenges, I think, in small business is, is that there's no thought process put into actually how many clients we need. Yeah. Right. Because depending on the business that we're in, we don't need 100 clients. We don't even need, you know, we don't need 1,000. We don't even need 50 in some case. I mean, think about it. If I had 50 clients right now in one-to-one -one environment, I, I'm screwed. I can't yeah, manage that. Right. Right. So um, now we have different levels, right? I have a group program. I can have 50 clients in the group program. Um, that makes more sense there. But, but that's um, also the difference but, between self-employed and business owner. Exactly. And right. And so I think that people need to really think about how many clients they actually need and then start looking at the numbers because it's not, it's not some crazy number that, that, I mean, I've talked to virtual assistants who need four clients a month, four clients. If those four clients stay with you every month, you have four clients for the whole year. Yeah. Like you don't need 40, 50 clients. Um, and I think that's just, I mean, at the web agency, we did 36 new websites a year. That's three a month. That's not even one a week. And I had eight employees like that's, you know, when you start doing the math, um, and you, and you back it out, then you start to look at, at the, I guess you could call it a funnel. You, you can look at the numbers, right? How many meetings does it take? How many people do I have to talk to? How many conversations <laughs> do I have? To, that whole thing you can talk about. To get to the center. But it's of the not a, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it, it, but it's not as many as many people think it is. So Matt, this is such a great conversation and such an important one because yeah. I don't know about you, and I think about this a lot, even during COVID, you know, when we were doing things virtually, I still saw so many people doing networking poorly. Uh, you know, it, 
it was like sitting in a, I'm seeing them in a box and they're doing the same thing they would do one-on-one. And in the couple things I saw, you know, they were, they were doing this pitch. It was like, they were trying to sell me. It was all about them. Uh, it was long. Uh, you know, it was, it was like everything you do wrong, they did wrong. So I think people want to say, well, we can't network the same way, but building relationships is still the same, whether you're doing it online or in person. It's about, you know, being authentic. It's about being genuine. It's about caring. It's about having it not be about you. It's about having all these different whys. So I really hope people who listen today come away and say, I'm going to look at this differently. I'm going to have a different mindset on this because we can all come up with the best um, tactics and tools, but the mindset is so vital here. It sounds like to getting it right and building relationships. And here's one of the secrets is that you're absolutely right, Jeff. When you get that right, you got that, that skill, but that skill translates into every area of life. You know, building relationships in your personal life, in your professional life, in your families, very similar. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. You're curious and you care about other people. People know, take notice. 100%. And the funny thing is you just told them the secret. So now everybody knows. <laughs> So Matt, this is such a great conversation. Uh, as we wrap up, we always want our guests to have a chance to highlight or promote something. What is that for you? Uh, well, for me, I guess it would be the books, right? I mean, uh, so more word of mouth referrals, lifelong customers and raving fans available via my website, mattwardspeaks.com. And so is the new book, The High Five Effect, How to Do Business with People Who Bring You Joy. Uh, the paperback and Kindle edition or or Ebook versions are on Amazon, but the hardcover, limited edition hardcover is available on my website at highfiveeffect.com, all spelled out. Um, yeah, it's been great. You know, these are these are uh, works of art. I mean, I, works of art, <laughs> works, works. I, I think this is probably my life's work, the, the high five effect, this whole idea of chasing joy and surrounding yourself with people that chase joy. And, and uh, funny enough, there's a great story around um, my relationship with Mike McCallowitz. If you're familiar with him, who wrote Profit First and Surge and the Pumpkin Plan and Blockwork and all these great business books. Um, I found out that Mike was a fan of Twizzlers. And so one day on Amazon, they dropped the price on Twizzlers and I bought six cases of Twizzlers. And then I shipped six cases of Twizzlers to his office. And I put the manuscript in there with a, uh, a letter with my cell phone number. And eventually Mike texted me and said, of course I'll endorse your book. My office <laughs> loves you now. Um, it's about personalization yeah. and, and showing, and that relationship had been growing for years, right? I, I found out six years ago, they liked Twizzlers, but then all of a sudden six cases show up six years later. Right. So what relationships are you building and how can you, obviously I wanted something. I wanted his endorsement of my book. Um, and it, it worked out for me and I was happy about that. And so uh, you, you can do the same thing with the contacts in your life and they don't always have to buy from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to your favorite podcasting app, rate us, give us some comments, share some love. It helps us to get our message out to more people. Thank you so much. If 
you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.